Come on, if you got a Bible, go to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation. Yes! And uh, we shout for the first scripture. It's like our first touchdown of the game. And um, Revelation chapter 2. I want to title this message, God Seekers. God Seekers. Any God Seekers in the room today? Come on. Our nation seeks a lot of things. We chase after a lot of things. We pursue a lot of things. And um, you can see it with where our nation spends money. You could see it where you spend money. If I was to ask you, you know, what are you seeking right now? You might say God, but my question is, you know, what does your search history say? What does your Google search say? If we could put it on the screen, how much <laughs> you're like, no, don't do that, Pastor. Uh, it's crazy, you know, but whatever, whatever we're searching for, whatever we're looking for, whatever we're spending our money, our time, our energy, our thoughts, that says really who we're seeking and what we're seeking. And in Revelation chapter two, um, there was this guy on the island of Patmos right off of Greece. He had been sent there to die. He was a believer, and the emperor of Rome uh, hated Christians, hated believers, and was trying to kill as many Christians as possible, but he couldn't kill John. And John was this disciple that just kept outliving every attack against him. Uh, he was the longest living disciple that walked with Jesus. He lived to be about 95 years old, and in his final last year, he was exiled. He was sent by himself to an island called Patmos, where he had a revelation. God spoke to him, gave him a prophetic vision, and he began writing down what God was saying. And so in Revelation chapter two, God has this word for the church. And he says, to the church in Ephesus, verse one, if we can throw that on the screen, Revelation two, verse one. And if it's not on the screen, oh, there it is. It's up there already, okay. Um, he says, to the church in Ephesus, this is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work. I've seen your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate wickedness. I know that you've examined those who say they're apostles, but they're not. And you've patiently suffered. You've walked through persecution and you haven't given up. That's good news right there. Come on, that's like Victory Church. We have persevered. We've not given up. 42 years this church has been going, standing strong. But then he says this, I have one thing that I need to tell you. There's one thing that you've missed and that is you don't love me like you did at first. You've lost that passionate pursuit after me. You've drifted, you've gotten cold in your love for me. You've become content with how far you've come. It's almost like someone who says, you know, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, I know all there is to know, I know everything there is to know, and, and Jesus says, you've stopped looking for me, you've stopped pursuing me, you've stopped wanting to get to know me. And then he says in verse five, consider the distance between where you are and where you once were when you were passionately pursuing me. Consider how far you've fallen from that first love. Repent and start seeking God again. Repent and start seeking God again. Because on the other side of seeking God is the, is the plan, the purpose, the power, the provision, the protection, the favor that God has for you. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, it requires faith to seek God. And those who seek God, they will be rewarded faithfully by God. Here's one thing I know about God seekers they never go without a reward from God. 
If I seek God, there's going to be a reward on the other side. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Another word for seek is to hunger. It's to thirst. It's to desire. I need. I want. I pursue. I'm coming after that. Why? Because if I do, I will receive what I'm pursuing. Jesus said, if you pursue it, you'll receive it. If you hunger for it, you'll be filled with it. If you're thirsty for it, you're going to get it. So my question for you is, what are you seeking right now? Who are you seeking? David in the Bible, he was a God seeker. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. The second king of Israel, not the first king. First king was Saul. The second king was David. And you might go, yeah, yeah, David killed Goliath, but he also committed adultery and murder, and he was a bad king. And and yet God says, no, this was a man who sought my heart. God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for seekers after him. He's looking for people that are willing to run to him in their good, bad, and ugly days, their mountains and their valleys. And David said in Psalm 27, is it okay if we get in the word today? Okay, you came to a word church. I'm going to hit you with a lot of scriptures, but I believe if you'll study these, it will stir in you a hunger and an appetite for more of God. And on the other side of that appetite, I believe you'll have your best year yet. If you want to have an incredible 2023, it's going to start with seeking God first. David said one thing. Somebody say one thing. One thing that I'm asking from the Lord. One thing. If you could ask God for one thing. Some of y'all would, if you're single, you go, one thing I'm asking for is a good spouse. A hot, handsome, beautiful, whatever. You know, you got that one thing. You got that one thing. Some of y'all are, the one thing for you is children. If we could ask God for one thing, it's children. For others, it's, it's, it's that my kids would uh, stop being rebellious, that they would be obedient. If there's one thing you could ask from God, what is it? David had this one thing. He had journaled about it. He had written down this over and over. He said, here's the one thing. I want to seek God. I want to know God. I want to live in his presence. I want to pursue his presence. I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. I want to seek him first. His one thing was not benefits from God. So many people want the benefits of a relationship without the willingness to pursue and commit to the intimacy of a relationship. You know, this last week, Ash and I, we were, we were having a date night, and, and at the end of the night, you know, I just wanted her to know how much I love her, and I said, you know, what movie have you been watching lately? And she said, well, I started watching Miss Harris Goes to Paris. I was like, okay. And she was like, but we don't have to watch that. We can watch, you know, one of your action thrillers, and I was, I was really feeling an action thriller, but I was like, I'm going to take one for the team. I was like, let's put on Miss Harris Goes to Paris. And uh, y'all, I actually got into the movie. She got the dress. Come on, Jesus. It was a good movie. But I wanted Ashley to know that I love her and I care about getting to know her. A relationship where we stop pursuing one another, it becomes just business transactions. It becomes just a partnership. Okay, we got to do this. But a real intimate, organic relationship, it requires pursuit. It requires seeking, searching, Wanting to know, what do you like? What do you want to do? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? I remember when my father passed away, the only thing I wanted to do was come into this room when no one was here and sit at this piano and just worship. Not because I'm a super spiritual person, but because I did not know where else to turn. And I knew that his presence was the only place that I was going to find peace. Not from any addiction, not from any drug, not from any drink, not from any person. 
that I needed the presence of God. How many of y'all know when you're in a crisis, the presence of God is, it's like your refuge, it's your shelter. It's sanctuary, you know what I'm saying? And I would come in here and I would just sing to the Lord. I remember when I was at Oral Roberts University as a a freshman and um, I would go to the piano room that was inside their instrumental, they had like a music building called Timco Barton. And I would work as a janitor during the day uh, between classes. And then at nighttime, I would go into that piano room and and I was single, had no children, obviously, you know, and um, I had a lot of time on my hands. I did not realize how much time I had on my hands until now having five kids. I'm like, to all the singles, you better realize how much time you got. But I would go into that building and I would just play and I would sing and I would write, similar to when my father passed, just a, 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 a desire every day. I just want to get in there. I just want to sing. I want to write. And I would sing whatever scripture that I was reading that week. So if I was in like Psalm 139, I would go, um, search me, oh God, and know my every thought. Renew my mind. Take my life. I'm all yours. And look inside my heart. Remove every part that does not glorify you, Lord. I'm all yours. And I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Every part of me in the heart of me is all yours. I remember that uh, that Easter right before my dad passed and he was preaching about how Jesus wept tears of blood in the garden of Gethsemane right before he would go to the cross. And he prayed this prayer, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So I would sing it out. Father, not my will, but your will in me be done. Oh, Father, not my will, but your will in me be done. Then there were nights where I was super afraid and and anxious about the future, didn't know how I was going to make it. And um, financially concerned, lost a scholarship and, and couldn't afford to pay for classes or any of that. And uh, I sat down and said, um, there's no need to fear. There's no need to worry. No, 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 no. Because my God is still here yes he is and his love surrounds me and fear you can't stay here cause my father's love surrounds me oh fear 
don't belong here Cause my heart has found its anchor I could climb the highest mountains Or even walk the lowest valley But there is no escaping your love I cannot escape from your love Even in the darkness you are there Both the night and day I sing to you There is no escaping your love I cannot escape from your love And even if I made my bed in hell Or climbed up to the heavens you are there There is no escaping your love I cannot escape from your love. Anyways, I would sit there and I would just sing. And I would write and cry and pray and journal. And in that time, God was building in me. What I didn't realize is God was building in me. Here's what happens. When you seek God, you get to know God's heart. And you, you start to know what is God's will for your life. You start to discover the voice of God. God wants to speak to you. God wants to give you songs of victory. God wants to give you favor. He wants to give you strength. I don't know about you, but as a dad, I get impatient at times with my kids. I love my children in case they're watching online. They, they ask me like, dad, do you love us? I was like, yes, of course I do. I tell you this every day. They're like, yeah, but you tell stories about us at church sometimes. I'm like, yes, but the church knows I love you. And, um, but how many of y'all parents, you get impatient sometimes? All right, 20 of y'all gonna be honest. The rest of you guys, you know you. I get impatient, I get reactive, I get impulsive at times, and, and I, need, I need God's help. When I'm seeking God, when I pause in the middle of moments when I'm flustered and frustrated and I seek God, I always respond better when I'm in a posture of seeking God. And seeking God can be as simple as, Holy Spirit, I need your help right now. I want to cuss, and I need your help to guard my mouth. I want to, y'all acting so holy in this room today, like you've never wanted to cuss. And there's times where I just, I want to scream. And uh, in fact, I took the boys here the other night. We had a boys' night out. I took Liam, Benny, and Mac. And, um, you know, they're nine years old, seven years old, and four years old. We came in this room. They were cleaning the room, uh, getting ready for y'all. So the lights were on. And I said, boys, let's do a, a Nerf gun war. So we brought our Nerf guns, and we're like shooting Nerf guns. And we thought we got all the Nerf darts out. In case you find one behind a row, I'm sorry. It's just signs of family time. But uh, we, we were playing the Nerf gun war. And Liam, after the game was over, he comes up as Benny's collecting the darts and he pulls his Nerf bow and arrow back and just shoots Benny in the head and hurts him really bad. And uh, we had been playing hide and seek and they've been searching for me and searching for each other. And when I'm playing these games with them, God's always showing something to me, right? Because the Bible says God wants us to seek him, not because he's trying to stay hidden from us, but he wants us to pursue him. Just like when I play hide and seek with my kids, I want them to find me. I want them to discover. I'm not trying to stay hidden for hours and hours, you know, like go look for me and I go hide somewhere and hang out on my phone and watch movies or something. I want them to find me. We're, we're, we're building relationship. God wants to be found. Well, when Liam did that, I was so frustrated. I said, Liam, why did you just hurt your little brother? He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Then he does it again to his other brother, Mac. So now I'm really, like, I am angry. And Benny and Mac are like, Daddy, what is his consequence? And I go, Liam, 
you're going to get hit by your brothers. Line up, right, stand right here. And he was like, what? What? What is this? And I go, Liam, you, you're going to feel what you caused them to feel. Now, this might be bad parenting, so don't practice this. <laughs> what, to each his own. Uh, but I, was, I said, Liam, you're going to feel what you did to Benny and Mac. And so he stands right there, and, and he's laughing, and they pull back, and he starts running around. He's like, can't get me. And they're like, Daddy, it's not fair. He won't let us hit him. And he hit us when we weren't looking. And so then I go, Liam, come over here. You're going you're gonna to take the hit. And he goes, Daddy, Daddy, please, please forgive me. Please forgive And he starts crying. He goes, oh, Jesus, please help Daddy. Please help Daddy. Please help Daddy to understand. And I go, Jesus is on my side, Liam. <laughs> I go, he goes, this does not make sense. Mommy wouldn't do this. And I go, hold on. I don't know about that. I said, but I said, Liam, you hurt your brothers and there's a consequence. He goes, what about forgiveness? I said, forgiveness and consequences are two different things. I said, I forgive you, but there's going to be a consequence. And so, you know, there's, we're, we're talking through it. And he's like, what are you going to do? Am I going to, am I going to get hit by them? And, you know, nerf, nerf guns shot at me and all that. So I'm like, in the moment, my flesh is wanting Liam to get hurt. And then I had this moment. Now, I'm not always like this wise, but I had a wise moment, and I just stepped back. And I said, God, I need help right now. I'm, I'm getting frustrated with the boys. And I just said, God, show me what to do. What's the right consequence? I think sometimes parenting in this day and age, parenting in any day and age, We need the wisdom of God. Every child and every person, we need to understand what we're dealing with. What's the right antidote in that moment? I saw moments where my dad, where I thought he was going to spank me or spank my brother, and instead he sat with us and he counseled us. I, I saw moments where he handled situations differently, and so I said, God, I need your help right now. Just real quietly, just, Lord, I need your help. And God gave me this idea. And I said, Liam, there's a consequence. I said, there's going to be pain. And he was like, oh, no, no pain. You know, it's so dramatic. I don't know where he gets it from. And, uh, and so he was like, Daddy, please, please forgive me. I said, I do. I said, there's going to be a hit. And he was like, where? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be here? Am I going to take it here? You know? And I go, no. I said, Daddy's going to take it. He goes, What? And I said, Benny and Mac, I said, instead of hitting Liam, I want you to get your Nerf guns. They're like, okay. And they pull their, (laughs) they were like totally fine with it. I was like, don't be so excited about it. And so I turn around. I said, you guys can hit me. And Liam goes, wait, wait, why are you doing this, daddy? I'm the one that caused the pain. I said, I know. But daddy's going to take the consequence for you. And he said, no, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. He said, I deserve to be hit. And I was thinking to myself, yes, you do deserve to be hit. (laughs) And I said, Liam, I'm going to take it for you. And so, you know, Benny and Mac pulled back and hit me hard. It hurt bad. And Liam jumped in front of me. He said, please let me take it. And he's like, Daddy, I deserve it. Let me take it. I said, no, Liam. I said, this is what Jesus did for us. He took the hit for us. We deserved it. And he starts crying. He gets it. The gospel came alive to Liam. Now, I'm not saying I'm like a really spiritual great dad because I have moments where I don't get it right. But in that moment, when I'm seeking God, I'm a better parent. 
when I'm, when I'm in tune with the voice of God, I have better wisdom in moments. And after I did it, Liam goes, I'm going to hurt myself now. <laughs> and in my mind, my flesh was like, yeah, you, you should hurt yourself. But my spirit was like, I had the right words. I said, Liam, there's not two payments required, just one payment. And I paid it. I took the hit. And he said, well, I want to feel the pain too. I said, no, you don't have to. I did. I said, just don't hurt your brothers when they're not looking. Don't do that. And he said, I get it now. I get it. I caused that. And, and he, it was like a revelation. When I'm seeking God, I'm, I'm wiser. I'm walking in more patience. I'm walking in more humility. David, when he was in a crisis in 1 Samuel 30, it says he sought the Lord. He didn't run to anyone else, didn't run to anywhere else, didn't go to the bar. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, when he's attacked, his wife's been taken, his kids have been kidnapped, his men are talking about stoning him. In the middle of his crisis, it says he sought the Lord and he strengthened himself in the Lord. When he was stressed out, when's the last time you handled a crisis with just God? When's the last time when you were stressed out, you just went to God? And this isn't a message to condemn. This is just a message to call us back to seeking God. And in Psalm 63, verse 1, David said, my soul thirsts for you. My body needs you. I'm, I'm, it's like I'm in a dry, parched desert, and God, I, I need you. I'm, I'm pursuing you. The word seek appears 313 times in the Bible. It means to aggressively pursue. David said, I'm searching for you. I'm desperate for you. Why? Because the stronger I am in God, the weaker temptation has a hold over me. And the weaker I am at seeking God, the stronger temptation gets in my life. I've never seen a good, vibrant, powerful relationship with God that happened on accident. I've never seen someone develop a good, powerful, vibrant relationship with their spouse accidentally. It always happens on purpose. The result of a powerful, vibrant relationship comes from spending time pursuing God. See, God seekers, they spend time in his presence. They spend time in the word of God. David said, your word is like honey on my lips. Your word is the bread that I need. It's what my soul craves. God, I wake up in the morning and I want to praise you. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? How do you know what you're seeking? What are you doing when you go to bed at night? What are you doing when you wake up? What are you searching for during the day? David said, Lord, I want to know you. Psalm 42, verse 1, he says, as the deer panteth for the water. My soul thirsts for you. I want to know you, God. There was a song we used to sing when I was in youth group. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. I want to touch you. I want to seek your face. I want to know you more. And we used to sing that song. Draw me, draw me, Lord. And I'll come running after you. You guys remember that song? Remember that song? Y'all remember Keith Green used to sit on the piano? Anyone remember Keith Green, some of the old songs of Keith Green? And he used to sing, oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace 
abounds to me. These songs are all about seeking God. Lord, I want to know you. In Exodus 33, verse 11, Moses would go to meet with God, and it says he would meet with God face to face. Catch this, church. I'm telling you, this is the key to success in 2023. The key for 2023 is seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his presence. In Exodus 33, 11, Moses would seek God, and it wasn't in a church building. It was in a tent, And today, the presence of God is anywhere and everywhere that you just pause and you can enter into his presence. At your house, in your car, in your bedroom. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, poured out his Holy Spirit for you and I to receive his presence. And it's not contained to one building, one place, one group. There is no junior varsity Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that's poured out on adults is poured out for children. The presence of God that's in here can be felt over there in the children's church, in the youth room, in the nursery room. It's not contained to just a space or a generation or a certain group of people or one nation. It's open to everyone. But during that time, it was just in one place. It was the Old Testament. Moses would meet with God face to face as a friend. God wants you to know him as a friend. He wants to have a friendship with you. He doesn't want to just be a business partner with you. He doesn't just want to be that guy that you go, okay, I put my tithe in. Now I'm expecting an increase. No, God says, I want to have a friendship with you. I want you to hear my voice. I want you not just seeking what's in my hand. I want you to seek my face. I want you to study my face. I want you to know my eyes. I remember someone asked me, they said, uh, this was a long time ago. It was like in high school or college, but they said, do you know my eye color? And they closed their eyes. And I go, well, hold on. They said, you've known me for two years. Do you know my eye color? And I was like, open your eyes. I'm, I'm. They go, you don't know my eye color. And I felt so embarrassed because I realized I had not actually looked in the eyes This is intimacy. Intimacy is being able to know the person's heart, being able to truly know who is this person you're in a friendship with. If you say you're a believer, right now they just did a study on Christians, and they asked how many Christians read their Bible daily, how many Christians are engaged in an active daily relationship with God. 58% said, no, I'm not. I don't read it daily. I don't even read it weekly. I'm rarely engaged in scripture reading or in church going, or connect group, or a discipleship group. I rarely interact. I'm a believer. I'm just not engaged. This is what God was speaking to the church in Ephesus. You're a believer. You've pressed through hard times. You conquered cancer. You walked through some difficulties. You went through the divorce. You sought God in that one crisis, in that valley. You met Jesus at 19 years old. You saw him at camp. You were there as a child. You got baptized when you were eight years old, but now you're 47. And when's the last time you fasted and prayed? And when's the last time you went to an altar and cried? And when's the last time you cracked open your Bible and read the scriptures, not just because you're in a crisis, but because you need his presence every single day as a dad, as a grandpa, you're 67 now. When's the last time you passionately pursued God? And he says, return to your first love. Come back to that. So when Moses would meet with God in Exodus 33, 11, it says, Joshua stayed when Moses left. This was before the book of Joshua was written. Before the book of Joshua, before the walls of Jericho came down, before he entered the promised land, where was Joshua? He was lingering in the presence of God. I love it when people come to church and they're not in a rush. They're not going, Pastor, time's ticking. We got to get, I got reservations at Chili's. We're going to Applebee's with my boys after church. Got to get out by 1235. Don't you do no long altar call, man. We're in a rush. Get this thing moving. 
Get this thing moving. We got a traffic jam outside. But what if we came to church and said, God, I just want to linger in your presence. And I don't have anywhere to go right after this. And I haven't set up any meetings. And I'm okay if this goes a little long. And I'm okay if we worship a little bit more. And I'm okay if God wants me to stay a little longer in his presence. And I'm okay if the pastor's not addicted to the clock or the time. I'm okay if we just linger in his word and we just study and we pray together and worship together. I'm not saying that that every day you can't live with a schedule because we need schedules. But I believe God is calling his church to become more passionate about pursuing his presence than we are about pursuing our agendas and our sports games and all of our meetings and social media and all the stuff we chase after and search for in our Google search history. I think God's asking, will the church seek me first? Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. He didn't say seek it second. He didn't say seek it third. He didn't say seek it after the volleyball tournament. Seek it when you get time to show up to church once or twice a year and it's all going to work out. Open your Bible once or twice a, a month and it'll all, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his will. Seek his agenda. Seek his presence. Seek his, in, like invite God into your finances, into your marriage, into your family as a husband, as a wife. In Psalm 14, the Lord looks down from heaven. David says, the Lord looks down from heaven. And he asks this question, 14 verse 2, Psalm 14 verse 2, are there any people seeking God? That's the question God's asking. He's not saying, is is there anyone that knows scripture? Is there anyone that can sing the latest worship song that's on the charts? He's saying, is there anyone that's seeking me? Is there any pastors that aren't just seeking another sermon but are seeking the word of God? Are there any fathers that need help? Is there any mothers that are sick and tired of being sick and tired and are just on their knees saying, God, I need your help as a mom? Are there any teenagers that are desperate for revival in their school? Are there any middle schoolers? Are there any college students that say, God, I need your help? Are there any parents? Are there any grandparents that say, I've, I've not seen it all. I've, I, I know there's more to God. I remember I was in the Grand Canyon years ago. First time to go down there. I went all the way to the bottom. Less than 5% of people who go to the Grand Canyon ever venture beyond the rim. Every year, 5 million visitors visit the Grand Canyon. And only 10,000 people leave the top of the Grand Canyon and start walking down to the bottom. 10,000 out of 5 million. And so these 10,000, they, they trek. And out of the 10,000, only 4,000 make it to the very bottom and, and then climb out. And I remember going to the very bottom and spending the night at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And by the way, when you see the Grand Canyon, you realize there is a God. He is so real. There's no way a human could have made this. There's no way apes figured this out. There's no way a big bang just made it. Like I'm telling you, God is real and he's worth your pursuit and he's worth getting to know. And, and, and when you walk through the Grand Canyon, it's so gorgeous. And I remember just sitting down there looking at the stars and I just felt the presence of God. <laughs> During the conference last week before anyone preached, man, I just was on the front row. And the first night before Darius Daniels got up to speak, the worship team started playing. And they showed this video of these horses running. And I just started weeping. I just fell on my knees. And I just said, God, thank you so much for your presence. I'm just thankful to be alive. I'm just thankful for the presence of God. I'm thankful for the covering of God. 
when I was down in the Grand Canyon, this older man came into this, they, you know, they have like a little cabin down there where they make dinner for everyone who makes it to the bottom. And I was so excited. They made a steak for me. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I'm leaning in. By the way, a, a sign of a seeker is they're leaning in. They're leaning in. They've got an appetite. I need God. I need God. I need the Holy Spirit. I need his help. I don't care who wins the Super Bowl this year. I just need Jesus. Like, I'm so tired of, of just being obsessed with pointless activities. Like, I, I want purpose in my life every single day. And I was sitting there, and, and, and I'm about to eat the steak, and this older man walks in, and he's, he's got to be in his 70s. And, you know, he had been out in the sun too long. Like, the, like his skin had just been, like, really touched by the sun. And... Um, he walks in there, but he was so happy, and he goes, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You know, there was like 10 of us in this, you know, cabin, and there's a chef, and he made the steaks, and, and this older gentleman, he goes, oh, man, and he just, you know, slams his backpack on the table, and he goes, this is the greatest place on earth, and I said, man, it's awesome, and he goes, no, man, it's more than awesome. It's amazing, you know, and he starts describing it, and he said, this is my 70th time down to the Grand Canyon. He said, every year I come down here at least three times a year. He said, I started coming in my 30s, and I just, I fell in love with it. I said, 70 times you've walked down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and then walked out? He said, 70 times. And he said, I'm going to keep doing it till the day I die, and I'm not dead yet, baby. And I was like, awesome. And he said, every time I come down here, there's a, new, there's a new side of it that I haven't seen. There's another angle. When the sun hits the rocks, there's another part of it that I haven't seen yet. And I just wonder if believers have who said, yeah, I read through the Bible. I know it. There's nothing new you could teach me. What if we got that same appetite that older man had and said, man, there's just more to it. 2023, God's, he's opening this up to me in ways that I've never seen before. I want to know. Joshua lingered in the presence of God. He wanted to know God more. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, the prideful, the prideful in their heart say, I don't need God. The pride, in the pride, a wicked person does not pursue God. There's no room in his thoughts for God. I got my mind on so many other things. There's no room for God. David says, make room. Make room for God. Feed your spirit. Psalm 27 verse 8 says, Lord, I will seek your face. I will seek your face. This is what I want. I want to know you. I want the band to come out. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. And when you call on me, see, we always stop at the plans to prosper. You were like, yes, he's going to prosper me. He's going to give me hope in the future. He's going to bless my year. And God says, when you seek me, when you pursue me, when you pray, when you, when you desperately call out for me, I will listen to you. God does want to prosper you, but not at the expense of you living a life without purpose. God's not just trying to 
prosper your agenda. He wants to prosper his agenda in your life. So he says, you seek me with all of your heart. Not half of your heart, but all of your heart. There's a sobering story I want to end with. It's in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 5. And it was during a time when, you know, Saul had died, King David had died, and the nation of Israel was being led by kings that were a hit and miss. You know, some kings would seek God, some kings wouldn't. And it depended, like the nation was depending on who was leading them if they were seeking God. As goes the king, so goes the nation. As goes the father, so goes the house. And um, your pursuit is not just for you, it's for your children. It's for those that are in your house. It's In 2 Chronicles 26, verse 5, King Uzziah was anointed and appointed to become king. And he was young. And... Uh, and yet God had called him to be the king. He was anointed for it. He was appointed for it. He, he was given the baton. And it says he sought God during the days of the prophet of Zechariah. And he would pursue God. And as long, look at this in verse five. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. As long as he sought the Lord, God blessed his company. As long as she sought the Lord, God helped her as a mom. As long as she sought the Lord, God led her to the right man to marry. As long as he sought the Lord, God blessed him with the right wife to marry. As long as they sought the Lord, God blessed their nonprofit. As long as he served the Lord, as long as he sought the Lord, God grew the church. As long as he was seeking God, as long as he was seeking God, as long as they were seeking God, they succeeded. The key to success in 2023, seek God. Seek God. As long as they sought God, God made them powerful. God actually destroyed their enemies. In verse nine, in verse eight, it says he became very strong. He became wealthy. And then in verse nine, he began building his dreams. He began building new buildings. And in verse 10 and 11, enemies were conquered. He was marvelously blessed and he had favor. In verse 15, it says he had favor. He was strong. He became an inventor in verse 15. He started inventing things. He was like, he was the Elon Musk of his day. He was Steve Jobs. By the way, I believe the, the future Elon Musk is sitting in the, in the room today at Victory. I believe the future inventors of tomorrow's major uh, game-changing things that will shift society, I believe it'll come out of the local church. But as he was seeking God, he had innovation. He had creativity. And then it says at the very end of verse 15, it says he had favor. He was helped until he became strong. How the mighty fall. The most dangerous place a Christian can be is when you are blessed, you're strong, you're wealthy, and you're not in a battle. When you get strong, that's when the danger starts to come. When you think, I don't need God's help. I don't need to fast this year. I don't need to pray. I don't need to show up to church. I don't need to seek God. I don't need accountability. I don't need discipleship. I don't need any elders or pastors speaking into my life. Don't ask me to ask you to pray for me. I don't need your prayer. I'm doing good. I'm strong right now. The most dangerous place is to be a strong believer thinking that you don't need God's help. The most powerful place a Christian can be is in a broken desperate, humble place. God exalts those who humble themselves, but he humbles those who exalt themselves. If you want a promotion this year, get low. If you want a demotion this year, act really high. Think that you don't need God. We need people reminding us, you're nothing without Jesus.
I said this last week, but you know, mom and uh, my wife, they, they said, Paul, your sermon was so good. It touched everybody. And my nephew Isaac goes, not everybody. He's like, not everybody was touched by the word, bro. He's like, just trying to keep you humble. And I was like, thank you, Isaac. And, uh, and it's good. I, you know, we, anything good that happens in my life is only by the grace and the mercy of God. Because y'all were nothing without Jesus. Anything good that we see, it's like, we didn't do this. We need God. We need to wake up and realize without God, we're nothing without him. So real quickly, I want to end with signs of a God seeker. How do you know if you're a God seeker? You show up. Half the battle this year is just showing up. Show up to church. Show up to discipleship. Show up wherever God's asking you to show up. Just show up. Secondly, lean in. Lean in with a a listening ear. Lean in with expectancy. There's a picture of me and Ashley in the back room right before some of the speakers came out to speak. We're sitting there and I'm just listening. I'm just gleaning. I'm learning. And there's this moment where John Maxwell was talking. He's laid back, but me and Ashley are leaned in. Everybody say lean in. Lean in. Let's be a lean in church where we're leaning in for the word of God, for the voice of God. Uh, God seekers are worshipers. They're surrendered to God. They're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So this is a year to worship God with your offerings, to worship God, not just with your lip, but with your life. Signs of a God seeker, they're Bible readers. If you haven't downloaded the Victory app, do it today. That you would go to that app store. It's free. <laughs> these apps these days are like secret. They're always charging a $4.99, a monthly membership. At Victory, it's free. Come on, you get the app for free, and then you get the Bible on there. And I just, every day, I go straight to my Bible app on Victory app, and I just listen to the Word of God. I just have it playing in the car. Why? Because I need His Word. I need Matthew 22. I need Job 37 through 38. I need uh, Proverbs chapter 4. I need Psalms chapter 9. I need whatever the chapters are that day. I need it. I need more of God. If you haven't been reading your Bible in a long time, this is a year to get back in the Word of God. If you haven't gotten a devotional book, this is a year to get some devotional books, get some audio books, get some podcasts. God seekers, they're listening to God. God seekers are note takers. They're writing it down. I got two journals with me up here today because at the start of this year, I got two journals. One of them I took from Ashley. She had an extra one in her office. And then the other one, Ryan Edwards gave to me. And I've already filled out like 20 pages in both just of of sermons in the last two weeks from the messages we've heard. And I'm writing down, what is God speaking to me? So so signs of a God seeker, they have a prayer life. This week, my boys woke me up early in the morning. It was like 6 a.m. They said, Daddy, um, it's 21 days of prayer. We got to pray together. I said, that's right. And they said, Pastor Antonio preached this week at our all-school chapel about picking a place, picking a time, and praying together. I'm so thankful for a youth pastor who's challenging kids and teenagers to get into that prayer closet and pray and seek God, whether it's on the piano or in your room or whether it's in your car or at your dorm room. So signs of a God seeker. They're servant leaders. David said, I would rather be a door holder in the house of the Lord than waste time going to parties every weekend, drinking my life away and not having anything to show for. See, people make fun of volunteers sometimes in the church. And I don't know who does this, but I just, I I can hear this. They're like, oh, you're giving all your time to the church. And it's like, David said, yeah, I would rather give all my time in the house of God, serving and making an impact on eternity than spending my time in fruitless activity and deeds. 
that aren't bringing glory to God. Like I, I would rather be that door holder serving God's house. Signs of a God seeker, they're connected in community. I need godly community. I need relationships with mentors and mentees. I need a Paul in my life, a Timothy in my life. I need someone pouring into me, someone I'm pouring into. I need comrades. I need brothers. I need a brotherhood. You need a sisterhood. You need some people to grow and to do life with. And you might go, well, Paul, are you going to do that for me? Are you setting up all the friendships for me this year? Can you just make it all happen. No, no, no. This is personal responsibility year. This is you saying, you know what? I'm going to be friendly this year. I'm going to invite someone to lunch this week. I'm going to start a discipleship group. I'm going to show up to discipleship class. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone this year. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to BYOB, bring your own Bible. I'm going to get into church. I'm going to show up and I'm going to linger longer and I'm going to have the greatest year of my life spiritually, which will lead to the greatest year of my life financially, maritally, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a college student. You want to have your best year yet? Seek God first. Signs of a God seeker. They linger longer. Somebody say linger longer. Linger longer. Stay in the house a little longer. They're willing to lay aside things that hold them back from God. They're humble enough to ask for help. Saying, God, I need you. Would you stand your feet all over this place? We're just going to worship a little bit. And, and if you... If you absolutely have to go, we understand. No condemnation, for real. I get it. Some, some people, have, you have something you gotta go to. But if you're willing just right now, if there's not something you gotta rush out for, maybe just take a couple extra minutes. And this weekend, we've gone a little longer in each service. And I'm not gonna apologize for it. I used to apologize for that. I'm just not gonna apologize for it because God is worth it. He's worth that extra time. It's not about me. It's not about you listening to a sermon. It's just lingering a little bit longer, singing to God, praying. You could pull out your journal. Good, the violinist is still here. I was looking back. I was like, let's just worship. Let's just worship. Let's just worship. Let's just, let's just seek God. Maybe you want to come down to the altar with your spouse. Maybe you want to come down by yourself. All I know is that God is calling his children back to their first love. He's saying, I want that same pursuit you had when you first met me. I want that same chasing after, wanting more of God, wanting to know God more. I want that, God says, I, I want that. I want you to come back to your first love. I want you to return to the heart of worship. And it's all about him. And God says, I'm not trying to rob you of anything. I'm not trying to take away from your life. In fact, God says, it's the opposite. I'm trying to give you life and life more abundantly. So if, you, if you're here today and you just say, man, I need to get down to that altar. There's some things I need to get right with God. There's, there's, a, there's a stirring in my heart to know God more this year. I want to seek him more this year. You could just leave your seat and just find a place at this altar. We're just going to take the next couple minutes just to worship and to linger in his presence. You can bring your Bible down here, your journal, if you want to.
So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory.
just feel like we need to lift up teenagers, college students, children. If anyone's under the age of like 25, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for pray for those that are in that age bracket right now. And if you're standing next to someone with their hand raised, would you put your hand on their shoulder? I just want to pray for God's strength, God's wisdom, God's anointing, God's protection, God's provision, God's directing your steps, God's ordering your steps. The fact that you're in church today is a testimony that the devil is defeated, that your life belongs to Jesus. So Lord, we just pray over this generation. God, we thank you, Lord, that they are here for such a time as this. God, I thank you, Lord, that they're walking, God, with the courage of Joshua. Lord, with the faith of Joshua and Caleb that saw the promised land. God, I thank you, Lord, that they've got the, um, Lord, the courage and the sacrificial commitment of Esther for such a time as this, willing, God, to be used as a vessel for your glory. God, I thank you, Lord, they have the prayer and, and the burden of Hannah, who just wept in the temple praying and crying out for a promise that she was holding on to. God, I thank you, Lord, that they would, God, be prepared, Lord, like the bride of Christ that you described. God, that they're a part of this church, Lord, stirring up, God, visions and dreams and prophetic words. God, I pray over the kids right now in children's church right now. I just pray, Lord, for your covering over them. God, your provision, your protection, delivering them, God, from every attack of the enemy. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that the devil is defeated. God, whatever strategy or plan he had coming after kids, teenagers, college students, God, that it's destroyed, that this is going to be a revival generation. Lord God, that they're going to help usher in just greater anointing, greater power, greater demonstration of your miracles, of your Holy Spirit. If you're a parent, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for parents in the room today. I know we're staying long, but I just want to pray for moms and dads, guardians, if you're taking care of kids, I want you to just keep your hand up. Lord, I just pray if you're standing next to a parent, would you put your hand on their shoulder? Just pray with them. If you are parents together, husbands and wives, just hold hands with each other. Lord, we just pray, God, an anointing on every mom and dad. God, to lead and to parent, Lord, with wisdom, with grace, with strength, with mercy, with wisdom and conviction, God. Truth and grace. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name, God, that they're equipped, Lord, to do what you've called them to do, God, to raise up champions, God, arrows for the kingdom of God. Lord, they're here on divine assignment this year. You brought some of these parents specifically to Tulsa, Oklahoma this year, God, to be a part of what you're doing in this church. And I thank you, God, that they are, Lord, a multi-generational army, God, together. Lord, that their family, Lord, is united with love. And God, by the Spirit, Lord, that they're going to walk out the purpose and the plan of God. They're not divided. They're not in strife. In Jesus' name, we bind all the arguments, the strife. God, all the stuff that's tried to mess up families. God, I thank you, Lord, this would be a year of just uncommon unity. And God, just an uncommon desire, Lord, to, to flow together, to walk in peace together. God, to contend for the promises of God together. Lord, I pray for healing in homes, God, reconciliation between moms and daughters, fathers and daughters, moms and sons, fathers and sons, grandparents in the room. In Jesus' name, God, healing in the family, healing in homes. Now, I want us all just to kind of raise our hands up. If you're here today and, and, and you're new to this, we don't normally do this, but I just feel like God wants to pour his spirit out this year. 
And we've contended, we started this year off with conference on purpose for a purpose, that this year would be dedicated to God, that God would get the glory this year in our lives, that God would give us great fruit this year in our lives, spiritual fruit, that this would be a year of just significant purpose and that we would be on assignment, that we would not be distracted, that we would not bow out, that we would not throw in the towel, that this year we would be able to run the race that he's marked out before us. We cast aside every weight, every hindrance, every sin. Lord, we fix our eyes on you. With our hands raised, let's just fix our eyes on Jesus. Just imagine him. He's, he's standing at the right hand of God. The Bible says that he's there and he intercedes for us every single day. He's praying for you right now. And there's a great grandstand of heaven. There's, there's this huge cloud of witnesses. They're cheering you on. Grandma Dolly's up there. My dad's up there. Some of y'all's relatives are up there, friends up there. And they're saying, don't waste a day this year. Life is precious. Live with purpose. Seek God first. Seek God first. Spend time in the word. Pray. Get filled up so that you can pour out. Lord, we receive, God, everything you've got for us this year. We want you. Lord, we receive your grace, your strength, your mercy, your help, your power, your victory. Just say this with me, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me on the cross, in the grave. You purchased my salvation and my victory, so I receive it. I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, I seek you first. I want your kingdom, I want your will to be done in my life as it is in heaven. Direct my steps, I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, 